Hello, hello, and hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? Today, I am just so beyond excited to introduce you my special, special guest today, the man of the legend, Angelos Angelo. And guys, he is so incredible. Let me tell you why. Um, Angelo moved from Greece to Texas in 1979. He spent over a decade with Austin, Chairman of Commerce, as a VP of Economic Development and Chief Economist. Wow. Then he found Angelo Economics, continue focus on economic development. Well, guys, it's really, really safe to say that Austin will probably not be the same today without him. He has signed over 18 billion in capital investment project from high tech, healthcare, government, you name it, all around the world. He also attracted 26 billion in capital investment and creating over 285,000 of jobs. Um, then he found his passion in tech, in startup, in innovation. He found International Accelerator in Austin, focusing exclusively for foreign-born entrepreneurs and help them to launch their tech startup in U.S. Um, Andrew have recently received, wow, this is fancy, proclamation, guys, from Texas governor and the mayor of Austin in recognition for his 30 years leadership and contribution to economic development in the state of Texas and Austin. And <laughs> I'm not done, guys. He's also awarded, oh my God, amazing, by the U.S. Economic Development of the Year Award by the Site Selection Magazine. Um, I met Angelo through the International Accelerator Program and uh, to support his entrepreneurs. And I love most about Angelo's is his big smile, uh, his big heart, big passion to start up, to innovation and help supporting those entrepreneurs. So with that, guys, I am just so beyond, beyond excited and honored to have my friend, my mentor, my special guest, Angelo, to join us today. Welcome to the show. Well, Wen, thank you for the invitation. I'm really humbled to participate in this podcast. And, um, you know, I have a story, but I'm sure there are a lot more interesting stories out there from um, a, a number of entrepreneurs, both in Austin and elsewhere. So I've always viewed myself as, you know, if you work hard, if you focus on what you're doing, eventually you're going to be successful. So that's the philosophy that I aspire to. And um, that's, I think, the philosophy that has got, gotten me to this point. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, I just, I love, Angel, I feel despite all the incredible accomplishments you've done, but you're just such a humble leadership and you're just such an integrity, honest person. I just, I just felt so inspired around you whenever I, I am. So thank you for being here. So take us back to your journey, Angel. You moved to Texas 1979 from Greece. Wow, that's a long journey. 
Um, yes, I um, moved um, actually from Greece to the U.S. in 1974, but um, I moved to Texas in 79. Okay. And um, I moved um, to Texas basically to go to school for my doctorate program in economics at SMU mm -hmm. in Dallas. Beautiful. Shortly thereafter, I worked for the largest bank in Texas, Republic Bank in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And um, how did you fall in love with economics? Is that at the time at the U at your school or at the bank? Well, um, economics actually it was not a profession I chose before I came to Greece. I I went to um, a high school that was uh, a science academy. Mm -hmm. and was therefore engaged with a lot of science. And my goal when I came to the U.S. after finishing my last year of high school here, uh, which was enabled by a scholarship that I received from the Greek and U.S. governments, to have become a pediatrician. What? I didn't um, know that. <laughs> <laughs> but... When I came to uh, the U.S., they looked at my transcript and they couldn't believe that I've taken so many semesters of um, trigonometry and calculus and mathematics and physics and chemistry. So that <laughs> wow. all that was left to give me was U.S. government and English and uh, elective courses like history and economics. So economics was not a subject taught in the Greek high school system. So I fell in love with economics, and um, I decided to to become a, an economist. So why? My what, what do you? Why do you? What made you fall in love? Well, it was something new. I was became good at it from the point of view of, I guess you could say, applying economics to real world problems. Mm -hmm. And a big influence was also one of my friends who left Greece uh, to study economics in, um, in Italy. And I was corresponding with him. And so he was the only other economist that I knew at the time. <laughs> mm. And um, he liked it. So that's, that is what I chose to study <laughs> um, as well. Now, some people at least early on in my career, I said I would have been better off being a doctor than being an economist. <laughs> um, but um, later, of course, um, I, I knew that what I chose to become, it was the perfect thing for me because if you love what you do, mm -hmm. you're always going to be successful. Oh, so beautiful. I love that you just follow your heart. You got one data point. And that person love it. You decide, you know what? This is great. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> Co correct. And I, I therefore finished my last year of high school mm -hmm. in Brookings, South Dakota, by the way, wow. uh, which is a small town. The winters got to be very cold for me. <laughs> so um, I decided to move to Texas. <clears throat> and um, I made that move. Um, to then finish my my college uh, studies, I I have a bachelor's degree in economics. I have a, a second bachelor's degree in political science, 
from the University of Texas in San Antonio. Then I entered the master's program in economics at St. Mary's University in San Antonio uh, with a minor in finance. I graduated uh, Kuma, Sum uh, Kuma Summa Cum Laude 4.0 average. Wow. And um, oh then God. I decided to go to continue my studies for the PhD in economics at SMU. I found the program to be not so much as learning anything new about economics, but more uh, applying math to economics and calculus. And I decided that's not what I wanted to do in life. And uh, a year and a half into the program, I gave it up and began to work. Wow. It, was that an easy choice or is that a hard decision? Well, part of the um, decision was made because I, have, I had a couple of friends at SMU and they finished the program and the jobs that they could get were teaching jobs at uh, Trinity University in San Antonio and another friend, another college, small college or university, I forget which one it was, but they were paying $20,000 a year. And I thought, surely that's not what I want to get a PhD for. Um, and therefore, I decided to quit the program and find uh, a job in the private sector where I could apply the economics that I've learned already. That's beautiful. And, um, and then shortly thereafter, uh, a small stint in the banking business, I was recruited to become the chief economist uh, at the Austin Chamber of Commerce. And then a year or two later, I became the uh, VP of Economic Development. Um, how? Are you just, that's amazing. But how are you able to get promoted so quickly? And also, I would love to hear about the story. I forgot in which period of time you turned down the dream job offer at the moment. Okay. And continue with the chamber. Sure. Um, well, why the promotion took uh, place so quickly? I was, as the chief economist, I was making all the presentations that the chamber <laughs> was making to every new company, prospective company that wanted to move to Austin. Mm -hmm. From uh, the IBMs of the world to the Celotex of the world to... Um, um, and writing the proposals for, for them. Wow, to so Apple, you're one man running the show. Uh, it was not uh, one man. I mean, uh, we were a department of six people. We did great work, and uh, not all credit goes to me. We, we helped keep a team that was working for slave wages, if I may say so. Um, but, you know, you could see your effort pan out in helping a community grow mm -hmm. in front of your eyes. And at the time, uh, that, that was a, a huge reward for all of us working at the chamber. Oh. And we kept the same team for pretty much 11 years. Wow. E even though we were grossly underpaid at the time. Mm, but that does not bother you at the moment. You just felt so No, happy. no. It was never... I've never really been for the money. 
uh, I just wanted to do something that I enjoy doing. And um, when I started with the Chamber of Commerce as chief economist, a month later, I was able to reflect upon what the job was really all about. And I said to myself, this is me. This is what I'm, I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I liked, I loved it so much. And pretty much uh, this is what I'm doing today, whether through Angel Economics or even the International Accelerator. Mm-hmm. But your question was also why I chose to work for the Chamber. Yes. And how do you um, turn down your dream offer at the moment? Well, I had two offers. One came parallel with the offer at the Austin Chamber of Commerce to work with Dr. George Kozmeski. Uh, who was one of the greatest philanthropists and uh, community leader and probably the wealthiest individual in Austin up until that time, a futurist, if you will. Uh, He was the founder of the uh, business school at UT. He was the founder of IC Squared Institute. And they offered me nearly uh, 50% more salary than the chamber. But... um, the chamber called me first. I accepted their offer and I wanted to be loyal to the employer that called me first. Mm-hmm. And let me say, when I say called me first, it was within 10 minutes of one another that I got those two offers. Wow. Um, so I started working for the chamber. What, but- was, it, was it never a difficult thing for you, Andrew, to choose between money and your own integrity? And well, yes, it appears, it, well, every foreign entrepreneur is very loyal to the, their employer, to the cause, whatever it is that they decide to do. And uh, I mean, I could have changed my mind and declined the offer of the chamber and accepted the one from Dr. Kosmetsky, but um, being loyal, um, you know, Somehow, my ethics basically convinced me that whatever I've the offer at the chamber was, then that is going to be the one that I'm going to go with. Uh, and um, but the dream job was neither one of those two. Um, <laughs> nine months before, I was um, I had applied for a senior economist position with the European Bank of Investments with the European Union. And um, they needed Greek economists because Greece was kind of the newest member of the European Union at the time. And I applied Mm -hmm. and um, I could either have a a choice of being based in Paris or Brussels. And it took them literally... (laughs) Nine months to get back to me. (laughs) Now, the salary was four times what I was earning at the chamber. Mm -hmm. And I I walked into the office of the president of the Chamber of Commerce at the time, Lee Cook. Mm -hmm. And I told him of the situation. And he basically allowed me the opportunity to take that job. Wow. He says, you know, these opportunities come once in a lifetime. 
go ahead. If this is this was your dream job, mm-hmm. go ahead. We'll we'll uh, interview other candidates, and I'm sure we'll find the proper mm-hmm. candidate for the Chamber of Commerce. I, I went home, uh, discussed it with my wife, and decided that money is not really the thing that should make me change employers. And I thought, why would I want to work for an organization that took nine months <laughs> to decide whether they wanted me or not? And by the way, which ignored every other mail correspondence that I send them. <laughs> um, so I did not want to become a bureaucrat. Um, mm-hmm. I hate bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I decided I'm going to stay with the chamber no matter what, even though it's maybe one-fourth of the salary that Mm -hmm. I would have been earning at the European Union. Was that the easy choice? I'm sorry? Was that the easy choice? Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when I make a decision, I make a decision. I don't look back. Wow. That's so beautiful. I'm... I'm just so inspired by you, Andrew. I love that you have such such integrity, such your heart, and I thought you have your own value, and you're just gonna follow through them despite um, whatever the surrounding is, whether it's different offer, different money, or whatever that thing is. You just really the man of your own word. I love that. Well, when I think it comes with being foreign born. Um, Tell me about we, it. We've all been raised by families that. Um, are always preaching hard work Mm -hmm. is always rewarded. Integrity, first and foremost, is the highest quality that you can have as an individual. Um, Beautiful. My father was presented with many, many business opportunities. And one thing he taught me early on is never, never benefit from uh, the pain of another individual, the hardship of another individual, no matter what the opportunity may be. So he had lots of opportunities to buy properties from people that were begging him to buy because they couldn't afford them anymore. They wanted to raise money Mm -hmm. uh, to sell them. And they would go to my father and they will ask him, please t- buy it from me. You're in high integrity people, a person. If we want to sell it, you're the one uh, that we want to sell it to. And he would always refuse. And I'm sorry to say that I violated that in at least uh, one occasion uh, in the U.S. And um, for six months, he wouldn't talk to me. Tell us, what is that? I purchased my first home in Austin mm-hmm. um, out of the, I guess you could say, the real estate crisis, the SNL crisis, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. people lost a lot of their homes. And I purchased my home um, from a bank repossession Mm -hmm. list and my father said it didn't really matter someone lost this house because they couldn't have money to keep it and therefore you should never buy this property Uh, you should never benefit from someone else's misery Um, but I tried to explain to him that it was not like 
I was buying this house from an individual who went bankrupt. The house has already had been taken over by the bank. So mm-hmm. it was going to be sold in, to someone. But still, mm-hmm. he refused to go along with my decision. I did it anyway. And then we were not talking for six months. Wow. Um, so this is, uh, my father passed away 13, 14 years ago now. And mm-hmm. so many people, um, I remember, came to the funeral to, I never knew those folks nor even mm-hmm. some of our relatives, not even my mom, uh, to basically tell me uh, that they've never met anybody with such high integrity um, as my father had. Um, now, I don't want to talk a little more about this because I'm going to get emotional. But um, oh, it's beautiful. this is uh, something I'll never forget. And, you know, they said there's plenty of opportunities. If you work hard, eventually you will be rewarded. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I practiced uh, up until now. It's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing, Andrew. Um, I love that. So that moment, you really take integrity from your family, really with you and do the right thing having that work ethic and you really sell your career uh, at Chambers at the moment. So uh, let's switch gear. Tell us how do you start Angelo Economics? What inspired you to do so even though at the moment you thought this is my dream job. This is everything I wanted to do. I love this so much. Well, I still my passion is economic development. And after 11 and a half years at the Austin Chamber of Commerce, um, I found myself competing with myself every year. <laughs> every year I had to break a new record. <laughs> um, Wait, who is keeping the record? Do you keep it record yourself? Or? Well, I mean, uh, when you work for an economic development organization like Chambers, who are run by a volunteer leadership at the board level, you know, the expectation is that the city will continue to do better every single year. And one way to measure that is how much capital investment you've attracted to Austin and how many jobs you've created. Mm-hmm. And I recall, um, I had a meeting with uh, a gentleman uh, called Joe Beal. He was the head of LCRA at the time, mm-hmm. Lower Colorado mm-hmm. River Authority. We had a luncheon at the Four Seasons Hotel to talk about possibly getting his permission to offer a bond to Samsung for infrastructure. We thought that might be a good thing to uh, help put in our proposal. And we talked about it extensively and, and he said, sure, we will, we'll do it. Uh, it was eventually never needed to be put in our proposal. We want Samsung uh, without it. But during that conversation, and this gentleman, I talked to him maybe once or twice on the phone, and this is the first time I've ever met him. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, uh, he asked me, Angelos, what would you like to do when you grow up? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, these are always 
interesting discussions uh, because the people don't know you. They don't have any baggage. Uh, sincerely, they ask for you to tell them what maybe your goals are so that they can help you. Mm-hmm. And I told them, as a matter of fact, I turned down four jobs. One was in Virginia, one was in Jacksonville, Florida. Another one was, I believe, in um, Akron, Ohio. And the third one was the Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, I'm sorry, Silicon Valley Group, which was an economic mm-hmm. development organization in the Silicon Valley. Uh, because I was getting cold feet. I did not want to move out of Austin. This is mm-hmm. a community that I, I knew very well. A lot of people knew me. Uh, I was uncomfortable moving to another place, even though they were offering me three times the salary I was earning at the Chamber of Commerce here. Wow. And he told me without blinking an eye that I should start my own business. And I listened to him. Um, Were you, and, uh, before that moment, did, what that thought occurred to you? No, or, never. No? So if, when you hear that from this gentleman, were you surprised? Were you shocked? Were you excited? What, what, what was in your mind? Well, he was a very logical individual. And if anyone knows Joe Beale, who is now retired, of course, and lives in Bastrop, I believe, would have known him to be a, a person of high integrity, a gentleman, and almost like a grandfather figure for me. Um, so um, I asked him a, a, a few questions. Why do you think I should start my business? And his first um, explanation was, well, now that you've turned down four positions, nobody's ever going to give you a job <laughs> <laughs> or offer you another similar job because they know you're too tied to Austin and uh, therefore uh, these, these offers were pretty phenomenal and you've turned them down. It's a very slim chance for anybody else to, get, to uh, offer you a job. But he said, if you left the chamber then that is an indication you decided to make a career change. And the job offers from other economic development organizations will keep coming. But what did it for me is, he said, you're a public servant. I've watched you from afar and you've always been behind the scenes trying to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I agreed with his assessment that I'm truly at heart a public servant. And mm-hmm. he says, you've helped so many people in this community that your business will be extremely successful. Mm-hmm. And there will be uh, many, many people willing to retain your services. Um mm-hmm because you've helped them so much. So with all the economic development that you brought to this city. So his last words to me were, you have nothing to lose. If the business does not succeed, you're still going to be getting offers from 
economic development organizations. And with that advice coming from an individual, again, who I consider almost like a grandfather. And for the first time that I met him first face to face, I took that at heart. I went home. I discussed it with my wife. And literally next day I went uh, to uh, the uh, president's office at the Austin Chamber of Commerce and I resigned. Wow. Um, and that moment, did you have a plan or you just think I'm going to design first or resign first and then figure it out? Yep. No, <laughs> no, wow. no plan. When someone convinces you that this is a great decision, someone who you've never met before, who doesn't have any baggage, uh, who is, comes across as a very sincere person. I definitely took that advice to heart. I consulted with my wife and, you know, she's always been very supportive with, in um, everything that I've done. She says, well, if, if you think this is the best thing to do, it is the best thing to do. I'll support you 100%. So I left the chamber without any income. <laughs> um, <laughs> So here is an indication of where I felt that I was going to be successful. As soon as I announced my resignation, a dozen companies contacted me. They wanted to put me on a retainer. And it was, uh, mm. we're talking about substantial money. However, mm -hmm. the president of the chamber was asking me to stay on at the chamber, there was a marketing trip to California where we were selling Austin to prospective employers, as well mm -hmm. as in San Jose, as well as LA and then Portland. Um, mm -hmm. So I stayed to help organize that trip at his request. Then he asked me to stay a bit longer because Samsung was being recruited to Austin and I told him, Samsung is already recruited to Austin. We don't have to worry about that. Um, so I stayed uh, another month or so. So um, literally almost two months later, I finally went to his office and I said, I cannot be doing this anymore. I have clients waiting in the sidelines willing to hire me, so I need to quit. Um, I think the chamber is on its way to a lot of success and there's not much that I can contribute. Um, so I started my own business and I started with a dozen clients that put me on a retainer. Wow. Um, so if you've asked me at what point in time I made the most money in my life, it was during that time. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And, I want to ask, Angel, at this point, right, you had a very, very, very successful um, career at Chamber. You are very well respected in Austin community and you quit. You start your own business and it sounds, you know, rosy and sounds, you know, everything's so smooth. I'm curious in that process, was there any moment that you got discouraged or maybe you questioned, did you make the right choice or were you slightly afraid? Well, I don't believe in luck. I believe in making your own luck. 
And mm. I worked very, very hard those days. But, you know, here I quit the chamber and already within a week's time, there's uh, a dozen people willing to hire me. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a strong indication that the advice that Joe Beale had given me was coming true. And uh, it reinforced in me, uh, I guess, the confidence that this mm -hmm. is going to work out all right. People have asked me this question, were there any roadblocks, were there any challenges? And I said none. I was lucky uh, in some ways that I didn't have any challenges uh, at all in that process. So Angel Economics uh, turned out to be a very successful company. Over the last 26 years, we've um, done strategic planning work for over 600 cities in the U.S., uh, many states in the U.S., as well as several, maybe a dozen countries overseas. We've, we've mm -hmm. cited, as you mentioned earlier, close to $19 billion worth of projects around the world. And major clients like Dell and Motorola and AMD and others were hiring us to help them out. Um, so I was quite fortunate and lucky in many respects to have gotten into that business. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, and I think, you know, interesting you said you are lucky. But yeah, Andrews, I would disagree in terms of I think at that point of time, you already build your personal brand. You already hustle, working hard, creating value for yourself and all the clients around you and serving the community. So it's not just it happened. It's because the hard work that you put, the integrity, the, the passion you show, and <clears throat> that helped you to um, continue um, to really be part of the incredible uh, economic development scenes in Austin and Texas? Well, um, I think what has contributed immensely to um, my career to this day is my parents. My parents were not educated. They never finished high school. Uh, they were struggling economically, but they worked hard and whatever they did, they did it well. Uh, I grew up in a tobacco farming uh, family, basically. I was very good at school, and every time I would ask my parents a question, they will say, we see if we could help you, but we don't know those things. Try your best, and if you think about it long enough, you'll find the right answer. Mm -hmm. And so instilled upon me early on, the confidence that I needed, that if I focused enough time on any kind of challenge, I would find the solution. And that's how um, mm -hmm. it, it has helped me throughout my career to date. Um, so they believed in me. They gave me the opportunity to figure things out for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I, we're a very close family as you may know, which is very similar to other foreign-born entrepreneurs like you <laughs> and others. <laughs> um, so I, I was very, very thankful about that confidence that they instilled in me from a very, very young age. Beautiful. And is it is it how you... Um, 
really start focusing on my passion about entrepreneurs, startups, tech, innovation, and start IA? Well, the International Accelerator, I saw it as an extension of my economic development consulting business. And I saw many communities give out a lot of incentives to attract major companies. Mm-hmm. And some of those incentives were not appropriately spent, nor did they materialize in the job creation that they had hoped for. And I started early on in my consulting career saying, you need to start looking at growth from within, particularly larger communities that they had the capacity to do so. So I was providing an entrepreneurial strategy for some of these communities, whether it was Orlando or whether it was um, New Orleans. Um, Almost every, every strategic plan that I have created since... 15 years ago, I was preaching for the need to create an entrepreneurial ecosystem in the community with very little money that potentially could um, give them far better results and far better awareness as an innovative region around the country. And I use Michael Dell as a great example of that. Uh, Michael Dell used to be on the board of directors of the Austin Chamber of Commerce. Um, oh, yes. So I, I spent some time with him early on. Um, he attended a few speeches I gave and forecasts early on. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, we, we had a good relationship. Um, you know, friend and I don't try to abuse the fact that you know every time I had a need to email him he always responded in kind pretty quickly and I appreciate that in people but I thought to myself well maybe I should do this myself to set an example for other communities to do it and um I said, I have the network. I can expand the network internationally. We can begin to bring startups from overseas. The biggest Mm -hmm. decision was, how do I differentiate myself from hundreds of other incubators and accelerators? Mm -hmm. And um, the decision was made primarily because of some research that I had done that at the time pointed out that 50% of all entrepreneurs in the U.S. are foreign-born. Wow. Which shocked shocked me. Yes. Um, 40% of the IPOs in the U.S. uh, have a a founder or co-founder that is a foreign-born entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And the statistics that it was even more shocking is that nearly... Uh, 75% or more of the intellectual property in the U.S. is generated by foreign-born entrepreneurs. 
whether they work for Motorola or they work for IBM or they work for Google or Facebook, uh, or they are a grad student at the university or they are a professor or whether they have their own businesses, they are innovators. Um, and therefore I... Why, why do you think it's that? I'm just curious, Andrew. Well, a foreign born entrepreneur is a survivor. Uh, and the only, <laughs> the only um, way that they can survive is adopt to every situation. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a, a rather shock to leave your home country at, at the age of 17, like I was, without my family being here mm -hmm. and, um, and try to go and make it. Um, so you learn how to adopt, you learn quickly, you become a sponge. You're very frugal <laughs> with everything that you do, in particularly your finances, because they're never plentiful. Mm -hmm. And you're forced to innovate. So hardship, in my opinion, creates, <clears throat> it's, it's the mother of uh, innovation. If you don't have a hardship, if you don't, if, if you're not going to be stressed out about solving a particular problem that is bothering you, uh, you're not an entrepreneur. Mm. So for the most part, uh, foreign-born individuals don't necessarily work for someone else. They've um, came in the United States to get educated. They may work with a, a major company or, or smaller one, but eventually they want to have their own businesses. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there was not a single accelerator in the U.S. at the time that is focused on this market. And looking at Austin, gosh, by now we have over 90 incubators and accelerators. Wow. And um, there's plenty of places for a U.S. entrepreneur to go to. But there is not a, a single accelerator other than the international accelerator that is focused on becoming a landing pad for foreign-born entrepreneurs who've never been in the U.S. who need a whole lot of hand-holding and support on, mm -hmm. on a personal basis, not just business basis. And I set out to do that for the international accelerator. And when I say personal support, the startups live in my home. Um, <laughs> they're like, yes, that's true. The, and you've seen some of them. <laughs> in fact, you met yes. all of them. Um, yes. So my wife and I have opened our home to become almost like an international hotel. Not for the, <laughs> not only for startups, by the way, from any any person that has come to. Austin and they came, they came to meet me. I always offered my house for them to stay overnight or a week or two or whatever. And we mm -hmm. do it. There's been over a hundred individuals that have stayed at our home. Wow. And typically all foreign born because I knew that I would appreciate, I would have appreciated that being offered to me. Mm -hmm. as uh, I came to the U.S., and it was. I lived with an American family while I was going in high school. 
and they provided a lot of the support that I needed at the time. And I knew that that is hugely important to be in mm -hmm. a safe house, to be able to go to work um, basically every day. I, I would take the startups and bring them to work, take them home. Uh, they don't have a whole lot of money. Um, most, they don't pay rent or utilities or food. Uh, it's free. And some of our portfolio companies stayed in my home for over a year. Wow. And that is substantial savings uh, for them. But moreover, you get to know them on a personal basis. You understand their character, what they're made out of. And you understand uh, their work ethic and you can make a bet whether they're going to be successful or not too. Wow, that's interesting. And, you know, guys, just want to pause here for a second. I visited his home and my God, oh my God, everything he says, 100% truth. He opens the whole home for all entrepreneurs there. He had a big kitchen counter, full up all the food, all the snacks for anyone to grab. And oh my God, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I think I just love you have such a beautiful heart and you really celebrate all those uh, entrepreneurs who really, really um, want to make the world a better place and you are part of this journey. It's just so beyond beautiful. And I want to comment on what you just said that um, when you get to know people, when you get to know their personality and their work ethic and you kind of can able to predict are they successful or you know, what not. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Like, what is your, well, not conclusion, but sort of hint, hunch after meeting a hundred or so people in that personal level? Well, you learn a lot <clears throat> from living with someone. You learn about their character. Did they grow up in a family with high values? Are they responsible? Are they considerate? Um, you discuss business after business hours, during the weekends, you brainstorm, you, you get to know how and what they're planning and thinking a lot more than just meeting them at the office. Um, mm -hmm, for sure. But you mentioned something that I don't want to be remiss about. Um, my wife and I have been married for 41 years. Oh. And she has even a bigger heart than I do um, <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, she, she cleans after them, which is not often the most enjoyable thing to do. And sometimes she gets tired of doing that. Um, she, you know, we don't have any privacy <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. at, at the house. So it, it it's um, our collective decision. Uh, much of it depending depended on her support to open mm -hmm. our house to these individuals. Now the challenge is that our house is not scalable. We can accom mm. we've accommodated four startups at a time, mm -hmm. um, and from now on we are going to be putting startups at a rental property that we have. Oh, okay. And we'll uh, have them live there for free uh, again. Okay. So, wow. um, um, so when you live with uh, the entrepreneurs, you get to know their character, what they're made of, 
their integrity, their appreciation for the help that are being given, mm-hmm. the respect for other people's money. When, mm. when I hear the word, well, he's a millionaire, why couldn't he give us $25,000? I said, well, um, it's not for you to decide what other people do with their own money. Uh, mm-hmm. And to me, that's a flag. That mm. This individual does, doesn't have respect of other people's money and how they invest mm-hmm. in their decision-making, then he's not capable of learning. Um, mm-hmm. So, believe me, I, I've we've looked over s- several thousand applicants so far. Uh, we've interacted with so many startups. We have eighteen portfolio companies now, and we had twenty-two of them failed. So it's natural that uh, you're going to have. And many of them fail. But at the end of the day, you only need to have a few of them be very successful. Mm-hmm. And everyone is paid handsomely, including the uh, 13 investors that I had at the International Accelerator. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a long-term business. You spend a lot of money. Um, so there's no profit in running an international accelerator. You're just constantly spending money. And, and you hope that you have an exit that will be mm-hmm. um, large enough. So with this um, opportunity that we had with Restream, we paid all of our investors, their principal, 10% interest rate on the capital that they invested from the time that they invested it. Uh, paid all of our bills and everything. Um, and there's still money left in, in the bank to do a few things. So um, every, everyone got more than they bargained for in, in about four and a half years. Wow, beautiful. And some investors were only two-year-old investors. Mm-hmm. So they, they cast out. I, I love that. Um, Andrew, I'm, I'm curious, at this point, right, um, international accelerator are, you know, a huge success. Everyone involved are really benefit from all the hard work that you and all the entrepreneurs are working, which is beautiful. I'm curious, you commented earlier that, you know, inevitably, some of the startups are going to fail, right? Yes. How are you looking at failure? Because for you, you are like you personally involved in a business on day to day. You know this entrepreneur. You, you, you love him. You, you vote for him. You supported him everything you possibly can. And when those failure comes, how do you, how, how do you, what's your view for that? Well, investing is a very risky business, and as well as you may intend to choose the best startups. And believe me, we put a lot of forward effort, uh, a lot of effort forward towards Mm -hmm. selecting the best of the best because eventually only um, six to 10 companies make it to our program every year out of maybe more than a thousand applicants. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now we're going to go to accepting more companies because we've also 
began to offer a program that is not a year long. It's only six months long. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to see many more companies come through our program. Um, the venture capital model of investing is that 40 to 50% of your businesses are going to fail, meaning whatever you've invested mm -hmm. in them, you're not going to get it back. Um, another 35 to 40%, um, you will get paid back your principal and maybe a, a small, small return. Mm -hmm. But about 15% of your portfolio, they're going to um, provide you with a 20x, 40x return. And that is sufficient whereby mm -hmm. your limited investors then get paid 15 or 16% annual rate of return in... Um, in hopefully four to six years. Mm -hmm. But I, I understand that, but I'm just curious, you know, when you first started uh, with International Accelerator, was it still hard or emotionally when you see those startups that you personally invest in, who live in your house, who have a dinner with you every day, and that person or that business did not make it? Was it, how do you able to have the right attitude and perspective you know, even though you know inevitably they, that's a process, but how do you able to not get discouraged? Well, um, when you have to realize that much of our interviews take place over phone calls and video calls. So sometimes we, in the past, we've never asked the right questions. We never dug deep enough. And seemingly, they all tell you how great they are and how well they work together. Sometimes the team, the founders, don't get along. We've had that in one situation where they could not agree on anything. Another time, we had a, um, a startup that was actually doing very well in monthly uh, revenue, but they were accumulating a lot of debt uh, and they had mm -hmm. hoped for uh, money will still be flowing in and eventually money, the investors quit funding them and they went out of business the next day. And this, this company had more than $300,000 revenue per month. Wow. Um, so, and then others uh, have a language barrier. They don't really know what they don't know. They are not um, they kind of know it all, and some of them don't have the ability to scale a business. I mean they are a good CTO, mm -hmm. they found a great investment, but if you don't really know how to scale a business, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what technology you have and how disruptive mm -hmm. the technology may be or your IPO might be. So uh, it's the team that we are focused right now and um, not how many patents they have. Um, and you mm -hmm. help some of the people. Our, the people, the team. Um, mm -hmm. We try to complement that team with a great um, 
mentors and also board advisors. We create mm -hmm. an advisory board for many of them uh, to help the company succeed. And, and you've talked to many of them and you, yeah. you've certainly <laughs> helped them with their go-to market strategy and you see mm -hmm. some of the gaps. Um, yeah. A foreign-born entrepreneur believes that I've built a great product. Why people are not buying it? <laughs> um, well, this is one trick that I learned is despite uh, what industries, um, what business you are in, the successful business is literally two pieces here. Number one, innovation, the great product, the great, um, the great services, the better to meet your customers' needs, whatever that is innovation and secondly is a marketing if you have a great product but no one knows about it it will not win vice versa if you have a great marketing strategy but your product is not working well well people are gonna stop people will find out eventually so the best business need to have great innovation and a great marketing mm -hmm. side by side and be able to successful correct i i love you know at this point andrew i felt like you are very um you're always you know very um What's the right word for this? I think always a very um, cool, it's not the right way, but I thought like you're able to see the failure, see the success, the different thing in a very objective way. You don't, you don't really let it in, um, involve you in an emotional way, discouraging way. Sounds like you are always, you know, looking at business, looking at number, assess the situation the way it is and able to make quick decisions and move forward. Correct. Is that sounds right? Absolutely. And <clears throat> we're going to make mistakes along uh, the way. I mean, there's no way that anybody could predict that 100% of all their investments are going to pan out, that they're going to provide the return that you want. Uh, we've made some of those mistakes already, and we know that's part of the business that we uh, that we're operating in venture capital is a very risky business mm -hmm. high risk high reward That's beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. but so far um, out of the 12 portfolio companies that um, we transferred into the international accelerator fund one mm -hmm. uh, we have better than 15 percent success rate. I think we have close to uh, over 30% success rate. I think we have, along with Restream, several other companies, three more that will have projected to have very good exits. Beautiful. Um, that, that's incredible. So I'm uh, starting now with IA, International Accelerator, um, without any investments from individuals. I'm uh, going to be a 100% owner. I'm going to fund it for the next three or four years um, by myself. But what we are going to try to, and I need a lot of help in that, and I'm going to retain the right people to help me with that, is to raise a fund, maybe 20 million to 35 million, mm -hmm. to be investing in these companies. So right now, several of venture capital firms that invested in our portfolio companies are going to make a tremendous return. And that's okay. I mean, we will always have outside investors. But if we had the ability to fund these companies a little bit, uh, with a little bit more money in the critical junctures at the time when we knew that these companies were 
headed to greatness. Our, mm-hmm. our equity position would have been much larger in those companies, mm-hmm. and therefore we would have benefited significantly. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So that is the goal. Probably late this year, most likely early next year, we're going to embark on an effort to raise twenty-five to thirty-five million dollars as a fund. Amazing. And I, oh my God, Andrew, I just love you know at this point of your life. You have done so much, right? You no, know, theoretically, you don't have to work if you don't want to, right? But you continue to push forward. You continue to serve. You continue to, um, you know, keep driving the innovation, bring the startup to life. I'm curious, Angel, what what drives you? What keep you going? Well, as I said before, you have to love what you do in order to be successful, mm-hmm. and.、Um, I loved economic development because you could see your work transform a community and or other communities,、um, and that's extremely rewarding for me. I love working at the International Accelerator, even more so.、Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I've lost interest in economic development, but I've done economic development for thirty-five years now, thirty-six actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Um, but helping people and Bringing them to Austin and making Austin kind of a place where global entrepreneurs are being accelerated、mm-hmm. and hopefully will be very successful. It's very rewarding.、Yes. It's、uh, it allows us to help these folks internationally achieve their dreams.、Mm-hmm. Um, I can assure you that Restream's family in. Ukraine are very very proud of、mm-hmm. uh, the their sons and daughters that、uh, built an incredible team and made Restream very successful. I think the country of Ukraine is very proud、uh, for having produced such a very、uh, such a successful startup, and I think、mm-hmm. Austin and Texas are proud to have.、Um, Nurtured the company here for the last four and a half years, that、mm-hmm. so far have raised more capital than any other startup in in Austin this year. Wow! Wow! I, Remember, I they raised fifty million dollars. Wow! So.、Um, I love that, Andrew. I just felt you have such a beautiful heart, and you just want to serve people. You want to support all the incredible entrepreneurs、uh, that part of、um, uh, International Accelerator, and you want to help support their dream,、uh, make make their vision come true. So it's win win and win for all of us. Their country, their family are proud. United States,、uh, state of Texas, Austin, and our entire community, and you are all. Um, proud of what they've done, so I think it's just so beautiful. You are such a heart center with who you are, your mission, and really、um, putting really the a hundred percent, you know, both foot in to support all this beautiful, beautiful entrepreneur、uh, community. And that's one of the reason that I just felt so inspired when I first met you and having the honor to support you and all the startups、uh, you are、um, you are part of. So I love that, and I want to ask Angel. What what inspired you at this moment? Like you know, you've done a lot. You really、um, know who you are. You had a beautiful mission.、Um, you continue to you know drive impact. Today, what inspired you, and what made you happy? 
Well, um, I'll go back to what Joe Bill discovered about me from two or three phone calls we've had and a one-to-one -one meeting. He says I was a public servant. Um, so I, I take pleasure from actually my, my psyche is satisfied when I help other people succeed. Um, I, I know that that sounds cheesy, but as a foreign born entrepreneur um, and as someone who came to the US very young all by themselves without a word of English, um, <laughs> I helped, I, I have had a lot of help from a lot <laughs> of people that I never got to say thank you. Oh. Um, so in a way I see this, uh, the international accelerator as paying back, uh, doing the mm -hmm. things that they have to have support with that will help them be successful. Mm -hmm. Just as other people help me in totally direct or sometimes totally indirect ways that they, I never got a chance to thank them uh, because I moved from city to city. So, mm -hmm. um, and um, what what um, can I say? It's it's payback. I mean, uh, I need to mm -hmm. um, help others, and I know mm -hmm. how to help, particularly foreign-born entrepreneurs, because I've been in their shoes. I know what goes through mm -hmm. their mind every single day. Most recently, uh, when I was in Greece a couple of months ago, um, one of our portfolio companies, actually the first portfolio company, um, invited me to their home. Uh, him and his wife were fantastic hosts, and we're talking about a company that is extremely successful and they're going to have mm -hmm. a huge exit one day as well. Beautiful. And his wife, in tears, um, was thanking Esther, my wife, and me profusely for oh. um, really hosting her husband for over a year at our house mm -hmm. in a safe, secure environment. Because mm -hmm. he left the kid and his wife back. Uh, for over a year and um, you can imagine what went on in the mind of mm -hmm. his wife is he safe is he doing well mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so um, and then she also said had it not been for uh, you and your wife Angelo's scooks would have never taken off in fact, it may never have happened because they, they, had their, they had a few challenges of their own. And by allowing him to stay at my home for over a year, and later also his, one of his um, co-founders, um, not only I saved them money, but I was also their first investor. I mm -hmm. invested $100,000 in them so they wow. could make payroll until they raise mm -hmm. sufficient capital 
to be on their own. So um, well, uh, you believed him. I believed You're in him. Person. I believed in him, and uh, obviously they believed in me. And you know, it's heartbreaking to be appreciated mm -hmm. and recognized as such uh, from both him and his wife. Uh, in such a beautiful way uh, this mm -hmm. past summer when they showered us with gifts and all of that and <laughs> his wife was in tears all the time oh my god it's so beautiful and Jules I think I think you just have such a beautiful heart everyone surrounds you everyone be touched by you always already knew that so oh my god it's just I, I am so I'm so happy when I hear that because I, I just felt you're just you're doing such an incredible thing and I love that you've been recognized and people really appreciate you and all the hard work I pay off so that's beautiful well um, I, I have to add something yeah. of a joke here <clears throat> only yes only if my two sons believe that I have a great heart that would be great <laughs> <laughs> because they think I'm a strict father <laughs> Oh, um, well, uh, why do you think is that? Well, I don't know. Um, I mean, um, who knows? I mean, at, at the age that they were were, they want to be independent. Uh, I mean, does anyone listen to their parents anymore? Uh, I mean, I may not. I never asked my parents for help because I'm... I've tried, but early on, they did not know how to help me. And they said, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you can figure it out. I'm sure mm -hmm. you'll uh, be successful with what you do. So they gave me the confidence. So had they tried to give me advice, I may not have even listened to them. I mean, it's a certain stage in your life where yeah. you want to exert your independence. I think I'm sure you have gone through it. Other foreign-born entrepreneurs are going through it. Yeah. And even American uh, entrepreneurs are going through it too. Um, so you want to be your own person. You want to be, you're not listening. Uh, so that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, I think we are on our own journey. And I think um, the truth will always last. We'll always stand out. So I'm not worried about that. I wanted to ask you, Andrew, now you came to state in 1974 or 5, if I remember correctly. This is a long journey and you've done a lot, you've seen a lot. You truly have integrity and in your heart um, with you the whole time. I'm curious, today you create so much impact to um, the community, everyone around you. What does that American dream mean for you? I really want to ask. Well, when you're forcing me to think about things that um, <laughs> literally, not that I don't want to think about, it's just that I, I don't know that I have a good answer for you. I've always seen myself as a public servant, doing whatever I can to um, be the best, to do the best job in what I do. Mm -hmm. um, I um, think I told you once at a dinner conversation that I'm inspired not by praise. Mm -hmm. I'm inspired by criticism. 
Oh, interesting. I am my own worst critic. So nobody can critique me more than I criticize myself every single day. Wow. So it's, um, I'm not going to ever be perfect. I'm not perfect. I don't seek the perfection. Mm-hmm. But I always think more about tomorrow and not yesterday. Mm, I like that. You always look forward. I, not- I don't care what I've done yesterday or what I have accomplished in my career. I feel like I have a lot more to contribute for the future, and that's what I'm focused 100%. I, Beautiful. Um, I don't like being um, categorized as a celebrity. I don't consider myself a celebrity at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, that actually is a turnoff. <laughs> For me, I'm just uh, doing my job. I was placed on this earth to uh, do whatever I can to Beautiful. better. I know that that sounds cheesy to better mankind and to better myself and my family and mm-hmm. and um, to have them be proud. Um, that's that's all I'm focused on. I'm not focused to be a celebrity. That's beautiful. I love that you really focus on outside instead of within you focus on contribute to the society and the the mankind at large i think that's just so beautiful and one thing i learned from another uh person another speaker mentioned that you know when you um focus on others when you give that's where the true happiness comes from and i i truly believe that and what you said just kind of remind me of that and i have a last question angels you know for our listeners who may be entrepreneurs or who entrepreneur want to be i'm curious is there advice is there a suggestion that you can share you know given that you work with so many of uh successful entrepreneurs or and you sell also being one like what what is, you know, any suggestion, any advice that you can share for folks who maybe are thinking about starting their own business? Sure. Um, well, I've learned a lot uh, doing the International Accelerator, and it has not been a smooth road. I mean, we've had some uh, failures. As I mentioned, a couple of businesses failed. Maybe a couple of more will fail. I mean, that's part of the business and it took me a while to accept that Uh, but I did accept it and uh, I'm shooting to have a better success rate than venture capitalists do Um, if I have 30% of my companies that are projected to have very good size exits then I'm I'm happy and my investors will be happy Um, for the individual startup or would-be entrepreneur I would say follow your dream never give up Um, as an entrepreneur, you're going to be rejected. You're going to be knocked down a hundred times. The only thing that you need to do is stand up a hundred and one (laughs) times. Um, and it's, uh, it takes a, a certain DNA to go through this rejection. Mm -hmm. I know you look at Jack Ma and he talked to 70 venture firms and he was rejected by every one of them mm-hmm. and, and look what has happened to alibaba <laughs> um, since then so nobody has a formula um, for mm-hmm. success but what i what we're focused on and 
What I've seen others focus on is the team. Build a strong team. This is not a one person's job. Um, secondly, complement yourself with some fantastic mentors, maybe one or mm. two. Also look at creating an advisory board that will be some well-known names of people willing to help. Uh, sometimes their name is sufficient to open a lot of doors. And be, and be a sponge. Always try to learn mm -hmm. and listen for what other people say. Um, Beautiful. And that's it. And along the mm -hmm. way, if, if you practice these things, um, eventually you're going to be learning how to scale a business, even if you didn't know, and, and mm -hmm. how to hire people with other people's help and advising you. Uh, to create a great organization and therefore be ensuring a great success for your startup. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Angels, for sharing such a beautiful journey with all of us. And um, thank you so much for being that public servant that you always are and having such a big heart to support everyone around you and your full passion for entrepreneurs and entrepreneur ecosystems and also, thank you for, you know, have let me have the honor to support you in a way that I could. So thank you for being here today. I, I really appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. I'm humbled and honored to uh, have been involved with this uh, endeavor. I'm humbled and honored to count you as a friend. And uh, yes. I want to thank you. Of course. Um, well, thank you, Angels. And all right, guys, this is the show for today. I love it so much, and I hope you enjoyed as well. And I cannot wait to see you guys next time. <laughs>